man, how great is this? It's so good to see y'all in here tonight, and it's good to hear voices in the room, and um, I'm just, I'm excited about what is coming, uh, not just tonight, but uh, in, the, in the coming months and, and years. Um, tonight, we're in uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. If you want to reach in, there are pew Bibles that you can pull out if you'd like to, and it's on page 1217 of the pew Bibles. Um, but this is, this is a very kind of interesting text, and I, when I first picked it up and looked at it, um, I wasn't sure I really wanted to preach this text because honestly, it feels like three separate things kind of crammed together, Frankenstein style, and I wasn't really sure what the through line was in any of it, but the more I studied it, the more I thought about it, um, I figured one, the gospel, reason, the gospel writer chose to put these things one after the another for a reason, right? They're, they're together for a reason. Um, and I think there's a picture that's painted here that, for me, connected to the kind of where I'm at in life right now. And so I'm going to go ahead and confess right off the bat, I may, there may be a whole lot of projection uh, in this sermon tonight. I may just be projecting all over you what's going on with me. Uh, but as good Christians, just nod along and act like you understand and you're with me on it, uh, so don't feel too unspiritual. Okay, uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13 says this, He was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And some of you are wondering, well, wait, that's not how that prayer goes. We just said it. In Luke, this is what he has. Matthew, there's something else uh, in the history uh, of the church. We prayed the way we did earlier tonight. Uh, verse 5, And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though... He will not get up and give, you, give him anything out of friendship. At least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asked for an egg, would give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? Luke 11, uh, 1 through 13. So let's, let's briefly talk about the three different scenes that are happening here, then I'll try to draw the through line through them, and uh, I'll project all over you guys. First, Jesus answers the question, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. How should we pray? And this is one of those moments in Scripture where you should sit up and take notice because Jesus almost never directly answers a question. Almost every time someone asks Jesus a question, he tells them some opaque story that they're not quite sure what to do with, or he asks them a question back. But here, Jesus actually answers the question. There's only a handful of times that happens. And while uh, this is the Cliff Notes version of what we see in Matthew and the Lord's Prayer that most of us know, it still hits kind of the major points. How should we pray? And Jesus says, pray like this. First, pray with awe, right? Acknowledge that God is God and we are not. 
Hallowed be your name is what we say here. The translation is revered is your name. So first, remember who God is and who you are not, right? Second, pray that God's will and God's kingdom become a reality. In other words, our prayer is that God gets what God wants in us and in this world. Awe, then what God will get what God wants. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Third, give us what we need, right? Very different than God getting what God wants. Give us what we need. You get what you want. Give us what we need. And that idea of praying for what we need versus what we want is a little convicting to me. I don't know about you. Fourth, make us gracious and forgiving as you are. Let us forgive others as you have forgiven us. And finally, lead us where we should go, right? Lead us away from the trials that we tend to lead ourselves towards. Lead us where we should go. So acknowledging who God is, praying that God gets what God wants in our lives in this world, asking God to give us what we need, not necessarily what we want, what we need, asking God to make us as gracious and forgiving as God is and leading us where we should go. This is how our prayers should sound. And we won't spend a whole lot of time on it right now, but I'll confess that my prayers don't often sound like this. They tend to be more, uh, give me what I want, and I think I deserve, uh, take care of my enemies, not help me forgive them, like take them out. I don't want to forgive them. I want the accounts settled in my favor, right? And then kind of listen to me complain about whatever it is I want to complain about. That's most of what my prayer life looks like, if I'm honest, a lot of the times. But Jesus says this is how we should pray. Clearly, Jesus lays out a posture and a direction of our communication with God. Pray like this. And then he goes on to tell this story about the friend who's uh, in bed and doesn't want to get up and help someone else, but just gets annoyed into helping, right? And Jesus tells those who are listening to be persistent, like that man in the story. But be persistent, remember, and this is very important, be persistent in the kind of prayer that Jesus just laid out. It's not whatever you want to pray for, be persistent in, and you get it. Pray persistently like this, right? The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Keep asking for those things and they will be given to you. Keep revering God and you will be given a sense of awe towards the Creator. Keep praying that God gets what God wants in your life and it will happen. Keep praying that you will get what you need and it will be given to you. Keep asking God to give you an orientation of grace and forgiveness and eventually it will sink in and you will begin to look at the world and each other that way. Keep seeking God's leading away from all the temptations and compromises of God's love and grace and hope and peace that we so easily walk into. Keep persistent. Don't stop praying like this. Now, I make that point, and, and this is one of those good reasons why those two things are stuck together in the story, because if you just take that one section by itself, just that short story, uh, it can start to sound a little bit like the prosperity gospel if you're not careful, right? A little bit of, I just keep asking and I'm faithful enough and I get what I want from God. Taken without that context, you might think this is kind of that name it and claim it kind of thing you hear out there, but this is definitely not what Jesus is saying. 
And maybe you've heard it taught in some version of that, some way that shames those that don't have much or don't get what they want from God, those who don't have the faith and perseverance uh, to find that healing or to get that uh, item that they need from God or that job that they wanted, right? I don't know if you've ever sat in those prayer circles that made you feel bad for not getting the thing you prayed for or for the the healing or whatever because you somehow must not have been faithful because the Bible says you just keep asking, you get what you want, right? It's important to realize that that is not what's happening here. Persistently praying the Lord's prayer will result in the Lord answering those petitions. This is not self-help. right? This is selfless help, for lack of a better way of saying it. So pray like this. Persistently pray like this. And finally, I think the last part of this is, is to give us kind of the reason why. Why do we do these things? Because we have confidence in God's essential goodness. We may not have a lot of answers in this world. I certainly don't have many answers in this world. There's a lot, and I know this is surprising to you, there's a lot I don't understand. But we can have confidence in God's goodness. There's a lot I don't understand about the world. There's a lot that's wrapped in mystery in regards to the creator of the entire universe, right? I'm not sure if you saw the latest photos that they took from that new satellite out there in the universe, but it's just one of those things where, like, I'm interested in it, and then about five minutes later, it just starts to make me feel too weird, and I don't want to think about it anymore. How much can we really know about the creator of the cosmos? I mean, the cosmos, I know very little about those things. I know very little about myself. I can't even explain to you how I can open and close my hand like this right now. I know it's working, and I know there's some doctors that can explain it, but this is a mystery to me, and this is pretty basic. There's a lot I don't know, but at its most basic level, there are a couple things I do know. I know what love looks like. I know what care looks like. I know what goodness is like. It's not to say that I'm always loving or caring or good. I'm certainly not, but I know what those things are. And in, in, in this scripture, Jesus says, even those of us who are relatively small and broken, we know these things. We know that you don't give a hungry child a snake or a scorpion, right? We know that that is cruel and not kind. We would never call that good or holy if someone did that. This we know. There's a lot that's a mystery, but we know this. And while there may be a lot about God that is shrouded in mystery, we know that if we wouldn't call cruelty and capriciousness good within each other, that God is going to exceed our ideas of good. God is going to be more than, not less than. And you may say, well, why do you bring that up? And that's because I think it's important for us to understand that. It's to understand that you can trust that God is better than our highest ideals here, not less than or categorically different. God is better than the best parent, is what Jesus is saying here. More loving, more sacrificial, more caring, never less. And that might sound very obvious, but I can't tell you how many things I've been taught or have read about God that didn't pass that sniff test. I was often taught things about God that I would immediately identify as cruel or wrong in someone else. If the person next to me had done it, I would say that's evil and that's wrong, but somehow it was attributed to God and I was supposed to just be okay with it, right? I was told the ultimate uh, trump card in my church growing up, which is, well, God works in mysterious ways. I just don't ask questions. Anytime that is the trump card that is pulled out in a theological conversation, you should go ahead and raise the red flag. 
God's attributes aren't categorically different than ours. They're just better. Jesus constantly uses analogy to talk about God, constantly paints God as a better version and a better variety of what we know is good in this world. Maybe I can't achieve that level of good, but I can recognize it for what it is. It's never a lesser version. It's never an altogether different reality. If it's evil, it's evil. If it's good, it's good. And we all roughly know what that looks like. And I think that's important because this idea that God is somehow kind of categorically different in morality and ethics and the way God reacts, one, violates the teachings of Jesus, I think. But if we can't even make analogies, right? If our analogies can't hold any water at all, then what are we even here for? What are we talking about? Right? God is so other than there's, there's no words to say. We're completely in the dark. And I don't think that's true. I think as a parent, I know what love looks like towards my child. I know what evil looks like towards my child. I know what goodness is. I can't achieve it. I, don't, I can't uh, do it all the time. And God certainly may have a more, has a more elevated uh, sense of it than I do, but I can recognize it for good or for evil. If you wouldn't do it, how much more so is God, right? So review, pray like this. Don't stop praying like this and persevere knowing that God is good. Better than your best idea. God is good. And I know that's a lot of things to hold into one sermon, right? But it felt like the right encouragement uh, for us, or maybe just for me this week, as we kind of start this next chapter in life and as we come out of this last chapter, that felt like it lasted about three novels long, didn't it? Because coming out of the last three years, um, I personally need these reminders right now. Over this past season, to be honest, persistence has not been my strong suit. I've had times of doubting God's intent. I've had times of doubting God's essential goodness at moments. It felt like God was handing out some scorpions. Anyone else feel like that? Just me. Thank you for being there for me. I've spent a whole lot of time focused on what I want and don't have and very little time focused on what I need and have been graciously given. My prayers have not at all been focused on who God is and what God wants. I have struggled, as I know many of you have. There have been moments when I felt like I lost almost all persistence, right? In the haze of a pandemic, the loss uh, that have, has come in the last couple of years, uh, communal divisions that we have going on everywhere right now, the death that so many of us have experienced in one form or another, and even one of the things that I most counted on and loved the most and persistently showed up for the most in the last 15 years, which is community and community with you guys, even that got turned into a threat. And I don't know that we've fully processed that yet. That the thing we most need, the thing that we love and depend on, which is each other, became a threat in the last couple of years. Literal proximity to each other, me being close to you, became a threat instead of a gift in the last three years. And that turns all of life and definitely the Christian worldview upside down. It turns it on its head. That will mess you up. I think that messed me up. I'm still trying to recover from it. 
And I think we should name those things and be honest about where we are at or where I'm at. I'll, I'll start saying I, because I'm not sure all of you are here with me, but that's okay. Where I am at. But if you are like me and you feel a bit isolated and at the same time you feel uh, disconnected and you want to be connected, but you also don't know if you have the capacity to give anymore that it takes to connect to other people, which is a really bad combination of things. If, if at all like me, you are still a little bit wounded and less trusting of the people around you and less connected than you've been before, then let us take note here. Because I think I'm at least fairly representative of folks, at least the ones that have had honest conversation with me. And it is a good time for me to take these teachings of Jesus to heart and find my persistence again. It's a good time to be persistent in sinking God's will in my life, in our lives, and in our world. It's a good time to remember the difference between my wants and my needs. It's a good time to seek to be gracious and forgiving towards each other as God has been towards me. It is a good time to get persistent about the right things, to remember how we should pray, how we should not stop praying, and remember that the one we pray to is a good and loving parent. It's a good time to get persistent about the right things again because God is good and loving, generous and gracious in ways that we can understand even if we can't achieve it. Because what we are doing in this room tonight and as a community throughout the week matters. It matters to us and it matters to this world. We need to find our persistence again. So maybe in this new room, we can begin to remember why we are really here. We can remember that community is a gift and not a threat. We can remember that God wants for us what is good and holy and gracious. And God wants from us the same kind of love that we have been given. Maybe we can remember that the person sitting next to you is the body of Christ here for your benefit and a presence of Christ himself to us. Maybe we can remember what Christ is teaching us and we can dust ourselves off a little bit, get back up and do what we are here to do. Persistently and consistently God's will and God's love for the sake of the person beside us. Because God is good. God gives good gifts, and the bread never runs out if we just keep going to the table. Let's pray.